Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library. On this podcast, I'm inviting you into my personal library to experience my favorite erotica. All of the volumes that I will read from are on my shelves. Each week, I will treat you to a piece of erotica, either my own or from one of my favorite authors. Some weeks, I will be joined by these amazing authors themselves, and you will have the chance to hear them read their own work. This podcast is being supported by my Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash Lori Beth Bisbee. For people who subscribe, you will have access to special interviews with authors and readings and also to special events. So grab your drink of choice, get comfortable, and enjoy a peek into my erotic world. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library. On this podcast, I'm inviting you into my personal library to experience my favorite erotica. All of the volumes that I will read from are on my shelves. Each week, I will treat you to a piece of erotica, either my own or from one of my favorite authors. Some weeks, I will be joined by these amazing authors themselves, and you will have the chance to hear them read their own work. This podcast is being supported by my Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash Lori Beth Bisbee. For people who subscribe, you will have access to special interviews with authors and readings and also to special events. So grab your drink of choice, get comfortable, and enjoy a peek into my erotic world. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library. On this episode, I'm going to be reading some of my own pieces. I wrote this first piece for someone I met at an event and became friends with, though we never had a sexual relationship of any kind. Debbie is a butch dyke. Her energy struck me when we were attending a leather event. That led to eye contact and then a conversation. Timing wasn't on our side and has never been. She inspired this story by her carriage, her energy, and a conversation we had about military bearing and ritual. And the story is called The Whistle. Damn, I swear under my breath as I throw my stuff in the car. Running late, I hate, hate, hate being late, and today is not the day to be late. Damn. Anyone watching might have been amused. I stopped short of blaming Fenn for my lateness. His morning wake-up ate up the 90 minutes I set aside for spare time, just to make sure time, the time I only need when I'm so anxious I cannot think straight. And damned if he doesn't know it, I grumble under my breath. I can hear his laughter in my ears. Dressing appropriately is a challenge, as it always is when dressing for someone I don't know terribly well. As it is, one of the main reasons I'm being sent for this training is a perceived lack of formal skills. It's a fair comment. I've never done restaurant service. I preferred sales jobs as I worked in high school and university. By the time I hit graduate school, I had other skills. I can type and take dictation of a sort. It's my own shorthand rather than a standard shorthand, but I keep up. It helps to have a sharp memory for language so I can repeat back what has just been said to me. My memory goes out the window when I'm anxious. 
and in a setting like this I'm guaranteed to be anxious. I am told I will learn formal service to include valet meals and anything else the captain thinks might interest my owners. I'm told to expect to be away a fortnight and to pack suitable clothing. I will be allotted a certain amount of time per day for email and contact with family and owners, time to take care of work-related business, so along with me come my computer, iPad, phones, and assorted paperwork. I pack dresses with boots, bring a couple of pairs of low heels, praying that I will not need to wear these to serve, as my ability to be graceful in heels is only fair at the best of times. I pack a leather corset and skirt, a pair of jeans, and a couple of t-shirts and some walking boots, just in case, and a new leather journal in which to take notes, along with my favorite pens, one rollerball and one fountain. I wear my collar, tags, watch, and no other jewelry, though I pack a pendant for my collar, some earrings and a bracelet in case I'm required to dress, and one nice bag. I have packed far too much, but anxiety makes it impossible for me to think more clearly. I choose a black-and-white Betty Page dress, sleeveless with a neckline that has a triangle cut out to expose some cleavage, and a V in the back. The bodice is tight, moving into a lovely swing skirt. Underneath, I wear a black bra, matching panties. I decide on bare legs and black sandals with no heels. Why risk breaking an ankle before I even get started? Play to your strengths, girl, I think, as I work to tie my hair back, my unruly curls. The drive to the airport is quicker than expected. Thankfully, so I make up some of my lateness. I'm in plenty of time for my flight. Security goes smoothly. The new full-body scanners make the need to remove my collar obsolete. This eliminates uncomfortable discussions with TSL, TSA personnel and makes my travel much smoother than it was in the past. I spend the short flight time thinking about how I came to this place. I'd been observing the many ways people navigate a personal leather journey. Progress along my path highlighted a desire for more ritual in relation to service. The only problem was I lacked the skills. I studied Japanese tea service when I was an adolescent, and I love the order and rituals involved. I always wished to study it again in more depth as an adult, but never found the time, nor had any of my owners expressed an interest in being served in this manner. However, there is definitely a use for me to perform a valet's tasks creditably and serve a formal meal well. My cooking skills are good when I'm not anxious and are continually improving since I love to cook and to learn new methods and recipes but presentation has never been my forte. I hope that this work will change that. Master expressed an interest in my learning some formal skills, and this is step one. He agreed that training in tea service, Eastern and Western, and presentation, including flower arranging, can follow. Master chose my instructor with great care. It has to be someone who values precision, who is strict but fair, and with whom there was at least some spark when my sexual energy as when my sexual energy is not involved, I don't learn nearly as much. When my energy is engaged, I strive to please, which is exactly what's necessary to get the best out of me. I've always thought of myself as clumsy, and I tend to be clumsier when anxious. The more I'm criticized, the clumsier I get. It's a long-standing issue for me, one that has never been adequately addressed by any of my owners. Perhaps I just did not spend enough time in situ to get past the obstacles. 
I just seem to consistently get in the way of myself. One of my owners maintains that this is because I think too much. He may, may well be right, though I'm not conscious of thinking at the times I am being clumsy. I'm conscious of blind panic at those times. I hope that this fortnight of training will break through some of my blocks. Of course, I'm mildly dyspraxic, so that might be the other reason I am so clumsy. The flight passes quickly, and before I know it, I am at baggage claim, picking up my suitcase. I walk rapidly towards the exit doors, looking for the person bearing the sign with my name on it. The man with the sign is dressed in traditional chauffeur's livery, including cap and gloves. He addresses me as Miss as he greets me and slowly looks me over. I haven't been called Miss in many years, and this makes me smile. He nods once when he finishes looking me over as though he approves of my choice of outfits. I am relieved I chose a dress instead of traveling relaxed in jeans or worse, in a sweatsuit, as I sometimes do. The ride to the house is pleasant and not overly long. There is cold mineral water and classical music is playing. I spend the time looking out the window, making myself pay conscious attention to what I see so that my anxiety quiets. I focus on the sights, the sounds of the music in the car, the smells of the leather in the car, the driver's cologne, the taste of the cold water, and the feel of it in my mouth as I sip. I don't drink too much. The last thing I need is to find myself desperate for a loo before I am invited to freshen up. We arrive at the house. The chauffeur opens my door and takes my arm as I get out of the car. I'll bring your luggage along, miss. Just go up to the door and ring the bell. I press the bell and then stand with my arms behind my back, a posture I often take when I'm not sure what to do with my hands. The door opens and a housekeeper in old-fashioned dress invites me in. Wait here, miss, she says, and leaves me standing in the hall. There's a mirror on one side, and I try to tie my hair back again, as it is wild around my face after the trip. As a result, I'm facing away when the captain enters the hall. I hear her chuckle, and I try hard to turn gracefully. I was told that she prefers to be referred to as Captain or Sir when we first met. I find the whistle useful, she says, and I am reminded of Maria's response. Before I can stop myself, I say, Oh no, sir. I'm sorry, sir. I could never answer to a whistle. Whistles are for dogs and cats and other animals, but not for children, and definitely not for me. It would be too humiliating. My voice catches on the word humiliating. I feel my face flush, red, and my nipples tighten. Precisely, she replies. The flush rises through me from toes to the top of my head. Now I am crimson. Soon I will be scarlet. The captain strolls around me, examining me as though she were taking inventory. I struggle to remain still and keep my eyes on the ground. Strip, she says. I move to obey quickly, again thankful that I didn't wear stockings or any complicated clothing. Getting out of the dress gracefully is hard enough. My clothing falls in a pile at my feet. I hear the whistle of the cane too late to brace myself. The strike lands precisely in the middle of my ass, causing me to stumble forward with a gasp. Clothing will be folded neatly when removed, she says quietly. Eyes will be lowered unless told otherwise, and I realize, too late, 
I have been staring at her face. The whistle precedes the strike by only a second. The strike lands precisely above the last. I yelp but hold my balance. Better, she says. You will not speak unless spoken to. You will acknowledge with yes, sir, or yes, captain. Yes, captain, I reply. My voice is shaky. She kicks the pile of clothing to the side and presses on my shoulders. I sink to my knees and bend my head towards her highly polished boots. The smell of the leather and the polish makes me dizzy. As I kiss her boots, I melt. My blush turns to scarlet as I feel juice ooze onto my thighs. My smell becomes the top note of this perfume. The smell of her boots, her cologne, and just a hint of sweat underneath create the bottom and mid-notes. I bite back a moan as I continue to inhale, my lips remaining on her boots. I hold my breath as I feel her hand in my hair, pulling out the hair tie and spreading the curls onto my back. I sigh with pleasure at her touch on my scalp and the back of my neck and cannot help but moan as she pulls my head back by my hair until I am looking up at her. My color darkens to brick red as she looks at me. Her hand moves under my chin, pressing over my jaw. My breathing is shallow. I struggle to relax into her touch. She lets go and steps back. I lower my eyes. Good girl, she says softly. I moan. The captain walks over to the bureau and picks up a leather portfolio. She opens this and begins reading. Your master says you cannot be on your knees for too long. Is this correct, girl? Yes, sir, I reply. When you need to shift position, you may do so. Just be sure to sit well with your back as straight as possible. Yes, sir. I adjust my position. The transition is awkward. We will work on grace, she says. My heart sinks. I have worked on grace before. I remember hours of practice walking and walking in heels when I served the general. The feel of the crop on my back, thighs and belly when I failed to please. My fear is clear on my face. She chuckles. Not to worry. We'll find a way that works. I will not fail. So you will not fail. I hesitate a moment, and too late again, hear the whistle of the cane just before the strike falls across my breasts. Yes, sir, I squeal. Keep still, she warns. The cane falls again, landing just above the first strike, and again landing just below the first strike, and right across my nipples. I howl, but I keep still. Good girl, she says. The strikes resume. They come in quick march rhythm, peppering my breasts from top to bottom, extra attention being paid to my nipples. I can feel the bruising begin. I'm howling, and soon I cannot be still, dancing from foot to foot in place, as she continues to methodically cane my swollen nipples until the tears cross down my cheeks. It has only taken a few minutes, but feels like it has taken hours. She wipes the tears from my face with her hand, bringing it to her mouth and tasting them. I sob quietly. Sandra, she calls. The maid arrives quickly. Yes, Captain, she inquires. Take her to the room to freshen up. Yes, Captain, she says, and helps me rise. She turns her back and leaves the hall. The maid escorts me into the house. She walks quietly in front of me. My face burns now beet red. The marks on my breasts are rising. The breeze on my nipples is sharp and painful. My pussy is soaked. We reach the room. My case has been unpacked and my things put away. 
There's a platter of fruit, biscuits, and cheese on the table with a bottle of still and sparkling mineral water and a full ice bucket on the dresser. Freshen up and then rest. I will come to get you for a tour of the house when it's time. Dinner won't be until later, so you'd best have a snack now. Whether or not you are hungry. My best advice? Drink, eat, and rest whenever you have the opportunity. Yes, ma'am, I reply. I enter the bathroom and sigh in pleasure when I see the clawfoot bathtub and the thick, plentiful bath sheets. I turn on the taps and begin filling the tub. I add a bit of arnica oil, some musk, vetiver, lang-lang, and a few drops of neroli. I eat and drink as the tub is filling. I sink gratefully into the deep tub, wincing a bit as the water engulfs the fresh cane marks. After soaking some soreness from my muscles and cleaning the travel sweat off my body, I slowly leave the tub. Toweling off causes me to wince anew. I slide between crisp sheets and comforter and drift off to sleep almost immediately. I startle awake at the sound of the whistle. I quickly get up, make the bed neat, and run my hands through my hair to neaten it. It's still damp from the bath and the curls are thick and tight. Sleeping on my hair when wet is never a good idea, but it takes almost four hours to fully dry, so finding a time to wash it that doesn't conflict with seeing people or sleeping is always difficult. I am standing next to the end of the bed when the captain enters the room. My hands behind my back, my eyes lowered. I quickly fall to my knees and bend to kiss her boots. I keep my head lowered until she lifts my head and resumes standing hands behind my back. My face is crimson again. I know I reacted exactly as she wanted to the whistle, and I hate that I did so. Part of me wants so much to be defiant. The rest of me wants so much to be a good slave. I've been in situations I felt were humiliating before, but something about this whistle gets under my skin. I cannot put my finger on it, but it's not simply that whistles are for animals and dogs. Maybe it is. There's also the desire to run. The whistle is at the beginning of the hunt, and prey in me recognizes that. It announces that the predators are coming, giving prey a sporting chance, or giving everyone the chance to race, or telling the dogs to lead away. The dogs have all been trained to the whistle. I shudder at these thoughts. You learn despite yourself, she says, the amusement clear in her voice. I want so badly to stick out my tongue, but I know better. I bite it instead. Yes, Captain, I reply. The words forcing out between my teeth sound clipped. It's time for dinner. Tonight you will dine with me. Tomorrow you will begin your lessons. Come along, she says, and leaves the room. I fall into step quickly behind her, working hard to keep up and maintain a consistent distance between us. Her stride is quicker than mine and slightly longer. I try to adjust my rhythm, failing miserably when the captain stops short. I run into her at speed, almost knocking her over. I'm so sorry, sir, I say as I fall to my knees, my lips to her boot. Stand up, she says, and I do so quickly. Now bend over and put your hands on your thighs. I make sure my ass is a clear target and that my hands are out of the way. The whistle of the cane makes me shudder and the first strike makes me howl. She places five more strikes, evenly spaced. Six of the best, as they would say in an English public school. My face is covered with tears. You will thank me when I correct you, she says. Thank you, sir, I reply, trying not to sob. We enter the dining room. She pulls out a chair for me and smiles as I gingerly sit. My ass is swollen and stinging. Soon that sting will turn to burn. 
It will not be easy to sit still during this meal. The meal begins with smoked fish of a variety of kinds. The captain is served, and once her plate is full, she allots me my portion. I wait patiently, eyes lowered. They pour wine. They pour water. My hands are in my lap. I'm biting my lip as I listen to her begin to eat. After a short while, she asks, Are you hungry? Yes, sir, I reply quietly. You may eat. Thank you, sir. I take small bites, eating slowly, savoring each bite. The fish is delicious. It melts on my tongue. I savor the smoke salt flavor. You may drink at will, she says. Thank you, sir. The white wine is crisp, sweet, and light. Have you questions for me, the captain asks. My mind goes blank, as it often does when I'm put on the spot in this way. I can think of nothing productive to ask, and yet not even five minutes later I might think of a half dozen questions, or when writing a journal I will ask a dozen. I know this is something that drives Sir crazy. He wants a direct answer. He believes I'm being difficult. I am not. My mind goes blank. I have yet to learn a way to get past this block. I've never been good at speaking my mind in these situations. Writing has always been easier for me. I'm sorry, sir. My mind's gone blank, I reply. That is a problem we will help you overcome. But for now, you can write them in your journal when you retire this evening. In the meantime, let us enjoy the rest of this meal. Thank you, sir, I reply as my shoulders relax for the first time since we entered the room. The main course is roast chicken with all the trimmings, stuffing, roast potato, and sugar snap peas. The gravy is thick and delicious. I salivate at the smells and turn carmine with embarrassment. She chuckles and puts a portion on my plate. Eat, she says, and I work hard to cut small pieces and eat slowly, when I feel like eating like a farmer who has just come in from the fields. Dessert is black musket grapes and café real. The sweetness and the spice are perfect. The food is cleared away swiftly and silently. I marvel how efficient the staff are, wondering if I will be half as graceful by the end of these lessons. What are you thinking, she asks. I was wondering if I would be even half as graceful by the time we're through, I reply quietly. You will, she replies. She stands and I follow. She comes around the table and runs her hand over the welts on my ass. She slides her hand in between my legs to discover how wet I am. I blush blood red. Good, she says, and then snaps her fingers for me to follow. My blush has covered my body. I follow without hesitation, despite the visceral humiliation at her finger-snapping. She leads me to my room. You now have an hour free to catch up on business, communicate with friends and family, read for pleasure, or listen to music. Following that, you will write in your journal, and you will go to bed. Sandra will send you up a nightcap for you to have before bed. Yes, Captain. I will see you in the morning. Sleep well. Thank you, Captain, and you as well. I settle down on the bed, and I open my iPad first. I check all the mail, discarding the junk, replying to what business mail I can without the computer. I check in on Facebook briefly and FetLife. I don't try to catch up with friends. What friends have been doing is I realize the whole hour will disappear. I text both Master and Sir, and then by then the hour is over. I turn on some music while I write in my journal. As I write about the day, I reflect on my naked state. Though I have been doing this for many years, I have never become accustomed to being naked when others are clothed. It still has a profound effect on me, highlighting my position and causing extreme awareness of my body and my reactions. 
Naked with collar, collar and bracelets, or chains all have the same effect, though chains add the element of physical restriction which deepens my state further. I wonder if they will allow me to wear any clothing, and I ask in my journal. I realize I've not asked about masturbation and orgasm. I know that the captain has control for the time I am here, but I did not ask about rules. I ask this in my journal as well, all the while acutely aware of the wetness seeping onto my thighs, my tight nipples, and the throbbing of my welts. Sandra enters with a rum-hot toddy to help you sleep, and smiles as she sets it down on the nightstand. I thank her, eyes lowered, and wish her good night. I drink the toddy as I read a couple of chapters in my book. By the time I am finished, they turn the lights off. I slide under the duvet and fall quickly asleep. My dreams are erotic and intensely charged. I'm running through a forest with predators in close pursuit. My hair is flying around my head as I run. I'm panting with the effort, but determined to elude the chase. As I run, my nipples tighten, my clit throbs, my body is covered in a sheen of sweat. I am perilously close to orgasm when I am knocked to the ground by the beast who has landed on my back. His arms snake around me to feel his prize. His panting is loud in my ears, breath searing. His claws scratch around my breasts over the welts, digging and scratching until blood flows. I feel his tail winding around me, pressing legs apart. I wake with a start as my body convulses and hear the chuckle in my ears. I am mortified and wonder if coming in one's dreams will be judged orgasm without permission and what kind of punishment I might suffer. I drift quickly back to sleep. Sandra wakes me from a sleep deep, mercifully dreamless. Time to rise. See to your grooming and be ready for inspection when you hear the whistle, she says. What shall I wear, I ask. Anything you need will be laid out for you, miss, she replies. Thank you. I slide out of the bed and pad off to the bathroom. I quickly shower, including a hair wash, brush my teeth, and use the toilet. I apply face and body cream, squeeze more excess water from my hair, and pad back into the bedroom. There's a gossamer-thin, large length of emerald green silk and six large gold clips on the bed. There are no shoes. I move the silk and clips to the dresser and quickly make the bed, tidy my business materials back into their case, and turn to dress. I've never been very good at these sorts of things, preferring clothing to have a, a clear structure. However, I create a short dress clipped together high on my left hip and over my left shoulder. I use one of the largest clips to clip my hair back. I'm adjusting the dress as I hear the whistle. It startles me, though I am expecting it, and I jump. I hear a chuckle behind me and flush deep red as I turn around. I walk to the captain, kneel, and kiss her boots. I rise slowly, trying to maintain my grace. Good morning, sir, I whisper, eyes still lowered, breathing shallow, cheeks bright shades of pink. Good morning, girl. Did you sleep well? I turned vermilion as I remembered the orgasm in my sleep. I did, sir, though I awoke from a very intense erotic dream, and I stutter. She taps her quirt against her hand. Go on, girl. My blush gets even brighter as I whisper. I woke from an orgasm, sir. I am shaking. Nipples hard, pussy hot and slick, face and body burning. Did you have permission? She asks as she reaches out and twists my right nipple. No, sir, I gasp. I briefly think about explaining but decide it's better to take responsibility. 
Bend over, she scolds, and turns me to face the bed. She unclips the silk at my hip and pushes it up to expose my ass. She kicks my legs apart and lifts me from underneath so my stomach is not resting on the bed and my ass is pushed out. She begins by tapping the quirt back and forth between my thighs. It stings, but just serves to inflame. The quirt comes down in the sweet spot on the bottom of my ass cheeks. She beats me quickly and efficiently, not too hard and not too lightly. Hard enough for me to gasp, squeal, and eventually get some tears, but not to make me scream. She halts and presses into my ass. I can feel her heat as she pulls me against her and I moan softly. I push myself harder against her, silently pleading, and she pushes me down on the bed. Don't move, she says. She spreads my leg wider and then pushes into me in one stroke. I groan as I feel her hit my cervix. I am working ever so hard to stay still. She lifts my hips into the position she wants and begins pounding into me. I can fe feel my orgasm so close. The combination of deep fucking, the feeling of the pounding on my welts, and being asked to be still is driving me spare. Please, 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 I wail. No, she says. She keeps fucking me until she comes, pressing me flat onto the bed. I am barely holding on. I know if I come without permission, I will be beaten again, and likely it'll be much worse than the first beating. I struggle to maintain control, breathing slowly and deeply and thinking of things that annoy me. Finally, I have some control. She gets up and asks me to stand, turn around, and look at her. I look into her eyes, struggling again for control. You will come the next time you hear that whistle, she says. Yes, Captain. I reply, my face turning a shade of cooked, pickled beets. You may look down, she says. I am relieved to look away. You will start this morning's lessons with formal ta table service, she says, and walks out of the room. I hurry to follow her. This time I do better at keeping pace, and I do not run into her, even when she stops rather suddenly. Good girl, she says. I smile quietly. Thank you, sir. This is Grant, the captain says, as she introduces me to a tall, bald, ebony man, dressed in an impeccable pearl-gray suit. He has paired the suit with lilac shirt, pocket square, and socks. His tie is a slightly deeper shade of gray, and shoes match the suit perfectly. He's wearing a fine watch and a steel eternity bracelet. Good morning, sir, I say, and Grant chuckles. Grant is fine. Good morning, Jewel. His voice is lovely and deep, and that is all it takes for me to blush ruby this time. I will leave you in Grant's hands. I will see you at luncheon, the captain says, as she turns to leave. Yes, captain, I reply. There are a few different table settings laid out at places on the table. Grant talks me through the different services. The first is for a formal dinner, the second for an informal dinner, the third for an informal breakfast or lunch, the fourth for a formal breakfast or lunch, to the side there are some additional service pieces, glasses, and silverware. I have my notebook with me and I am taking rapid notes. Breathe, Jewel. I'll give you the opportunity to study these more fully. This is just an overview. I can hear the humor in his voice but do not feel any malice. I smile and breathe deeply. We spend about 30 minutes on the overview and then put away all the table settings and linens. While we're doing this, I get an idea of the kitchen pantry and the rest of the dining room. Following the overview, 
Grant spends some time talking with me about the various ways of presenting a dish. I try out a few until I find a stance that is comfortable. I'm feeling a little more relaxed. Before I am aware, two hours have gone by and it's time for a coffee break. We enter the kitchen and I am shown the various machines, coffees and teas. Grant prepares café au lait for me and espresso for himself. Grabs a bowl of assorted fruit and a cheese plate and I bring in the plate of biscuits, crackers and biscotti. For the rest of the story, The Whistle, sign up on my Patreon page at the $10 per month level where you get all of the extras. I look forward to seeing some more of you next week when there will be more erotica. Have a fantastic week. Thanks for joining me on this erotic adventure. Join me again next week for more exciting erotica. Visit my websites, drlauribethbisbee.com and drlauribethbisbee.press for more information about what I'm doing and what services are available. Check out my weekly internet radio show, The A to Z of Sex, on the Health and Wellness Channel, voiceamerica.com, Thursdays at 11 a.m. PST, 2 p.m. EST, 7 p.m. BST, and that's a live show. If you've got suggestions for this show or authors you'd like to hear, email me at lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.press. Have a great week. Thanks for joining me on this erotic adventure. Join me again next week for more exciting erotica. Visit my websites, drlauribethbisbee.com and drlauribethbisbee.press for more information about what I'm doing and what services are available. Check out my weekly internet radio show, The A to Z of Sex, on the Health and Wellness Channel, voiceamerica.com, Thursdays at 11 a.m. PST, 2 p.m. EST, 7 p.m. BST, and that's a live show. If you've got suggestions for this show or authors you'd like to hear, email me at lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.press. Have a great week.